It is um, part two of a series, Deliver Us From Evil. And um, in the room, we want to be also delivered from humidity. So there are two things happening at the same time. I'm very confident that we're going to have a state-of-the-art air conditioning system uh, in winter. And so uh, <laughs> ah, the fight goes on. Um, but um, uh, in order to introduce today's topic on Deliver Us uh, from Evil Part 2, I've titled it, Can the Devil Make Me Do It? Can the devil make me do it? Now, that phrase became popular in South Africa uh, some decades ago, right? Over a cricketing scandal, and even I know that. The devil made me do it became a headline. And of course, it's become a popular sort of catchphrase when we do something that is a little out of character and we're embarrassed about, and we kind of say, it wasn't me, we say, the devil made me do it. I kind of want to address whether that's possible. Because I think it's important that if we know who makes us do what, we'll assign responsibility and we'll assign responsibility to the, the right person. If we don't do that, we're at risk of, of perhaps putting it in somebody else's somebody else's problem. So I thought I'd start off by telling you two humorous personal stories. You will laugh at me, but please also laugh with me. And also remember that once I've made you laugh, I have a bad habit of... Of coming in for the coming in for the kill kill shot. So uh, the first one is an old one. Fifty percent of this room will know it. Please just smile anyway and sound like you've never heard it before. And let's be honest, we all watch comedians and rewatch some clips because they're funny, right? Um, decades ago, uh, I visited a friend who had two at the time little girls. They're now grown up and. Those of you who know the story will know the embarrassment of the moment. They invited me to tea in the garden, the two girls. I went and sat down in the garden with them and they created tea out of whatever they could find. They pulled together some sand and some dirt and they packed it up. And I said, oh, that's sand. And they said, no, that's a cake. I said, oh, it's a very nice cake. And then they got a leaf and they held it in a certain way. I said, that's a very nice leaf. And they said, no, it's a cup. And they imagined that they poured tea in the cup and then they took a stick and they put it in the cake and I said, oh, oh, that's a candle. And they said, it's a stick. <laughs> but wait, when was the game not a game anymore? When was? And they looked at me with a kind of scorn of who is, the, you know, this idiot adult who can't tell that this is a stick. But the whole way you've asked me to pretend. And so story one. We'll get back to it in a minute. minute. Story two. Look, I've got a problem. My problem is that there are items at Warehouse One I struggle to resist. In particular, two of them. At Seattle, the lemon meringue. There is something very appealing about that lemon meringue. And although I've been told it's got a half a tin of condensed milk in it, Billy, I still I, I consume it in seconds. I have the Seattle world record for the speed at which I can consume. Now, Red Band has added a new supplier, and they've got like, uh, what are those things called? Yes, yes, cinnamon, cinnamon things. Very, very good. Look, very good. I battle a little with my resistance there. And I guess in my conversation today, I'm going to ask you two things. The one is, 
Be careful when the game isn't a game anymore and all you've got are some sticks and sand. And do you know what your problem is? They both seem so harsh, don't they? But you'll see why in a moment. In the book of Psalms, chapter, oh, I suppose, Psalm 34, verse 18, the message says this. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. I love the redemptive nature of Scripture. So I wanted to make sure that at the start and end of every one of our conversations on this concept of evil and temptation, that we start with God is my help and we end with God is my victory. Because we shouldn't feel like there's no way out. Instead, Jesus is the door. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is our way out. Can you say amen to that? In the book of James, there is a really powerful verse, a couple of verses that help us understand whether the devil can or can't make us do anything. James chapter one says uh, this, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he's dragged away, enticed and baited to commit sin by his own worldly desires, lusts or passions. Then when the illicit desire has conceived, your big words, uh, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. So I thought, let me back that up with something a little easier to read from the message translation. Same verse, message translation. It says, lust gets pregnant, has a baby called sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. If you ever wondered what's the difference between the translations, I mean, the other one was like higher grade and this was like, is there a grade lower than standard grade? <laughs> Listen, it's going to grow up and kill you, this thing called, called sin. Well, there is a, a, an important question to be asked uh, in that verse. The question is, if we think the devil can make us do something, then we must ask ourselves, does God ever make us do something? And the answer must simply be God never makes us do anything and the devil is not greater than God. That's very important because we've given him too much authority and so it is as though we are unavoidable victims of some cosmic plan, but God says, that he is our deliverer and he never tempts us and the devil can't catch us. Then we must ask, what's my problem? And this verse tells us my problem is I've got flaws. And my flaws trigger me or bait me into things that are not good for me. They're just not good for me. So the last thing you want to do in your life is to say to yourself, I'll do things that make me happy. Instead, you want to say to yourself, I'll do things that please God because what pleases God will make me more than happy. It will make me joyful. Amen? It'll make me joyful. You play the long game as Mike shared a moment ago. You don't go for the quick result. You go for the long-term result. Amos, I know you won't believe that this is a verse in the Bible. Amos uh, chapter uh, 3. Um, the other day I, I, I read Amos in, uh, in, in a group and someone said, I didn't even know that was in the Bible, which is not something you say to a pastor. So Amos 
Amos 3, does a bird fall into a trap on the ground when there is no bait in it? Of course not. So the idea is that the trap is only a trap to you because there's something attractive to you in it. Something attractive. For example, if I have ice cream at home, it'll only last a day. I'm just going to be honest. So I buy it in the, there's a lot of amens going on and also a lot of disappointment in your faces. You're very judgmental this morning. Very judgmental about my flaws. But don't worry, the Lord is coming for all of our sins uh, later today. I, I just know. On the other hand, there are other things at my home that I, I, I you know, I, you know, a few years ago, somebody introduced me to a little bit of amarilla, you know, for your stomach's sake, according to Timothy. Does it not say that? It says a little bit of wine for your stomach's sake, but I'm flexible on, 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 on the medicine. Yeah. But I've had one there, I've had like a, a bottle there for probably a year and a half now, and at no stage while I'm sitting watching TV do I say to myself, Accord an Amarula shot. I don't say that to myself. I don't say I'm missing what I need right now in my life. But yet for some strange reason, I will regularly say, I need ice cream. It could be winter, summer. I don't like it plain. I get into all kinds of concoctions, um, mix, you know, chocolatey things in it and turn it into a soup and whatever. A lot of effort because I've got a problem. I've got a problem. So do you. I just don't know if you know what it is. <laughs> I mean, some, you know, let's substitute the funny stuff for the serious stuff. Some people got a problem with maybe... The lust of the eyes. You've got a problem. You can't walk past something without getting jealous or angry or you start judging, you know. Yeah, but these people are unethical people. That's how they go. Something. You've got a problem there and it, it's, it's bait to you. So what the devil needs is you to show your hand. When you show your hand, he'll send you the temptation. Never show him your hand. Go to the Lord and show him where your flaws are, but never let the devil see where your trap is because he'll chase you for it. Can you say amen to that? And so I thought I'd spend the conversation this morning um, talking about how to navigate that. I actually nearly called this entire message by this title, An Unholy Hangover. Now, I'll be honest, I've never had a hangover. So I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure what it is. And I really don't feel the need to uh, experiment. But I have seen people with hangovers. I've had them around my life, in res, in school, in, and then not so long ago, uh, invited some people for dinner and somebody came and I could tell. I said, you're not yourself today. I said, busy night last night. So what did you do? He said, oh, I decided to do one of those, like, what are those things called? A, a dating, a speed dating evening. And they went to a speed dating evening. Obviously, it didn't end well. Um, <laughs> either they met 10 people and decided, quarter uh, Amarula shot. So, uh, and they were just, they're not themselves. They were a little bit sore, a little bit tired, a little bit grumpy, a little bit unconversational, a little bit put off the meal. And a lot of people go through life a little bit sore, a little bit tired, a little bit grumpy, a little bit put off. And it's because you've got sin hangover. And 
it is not the sin. The sin, you see, Jesus redeems the sin, but there's hangover from it. It is a consequence on the soul for what was once present in the room. Have you ever had a rat die on you in your house? How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know, you just trust the Lord. There is a certain odor. It's an unmistakable odor. There's not a meal you can cook that will give you this odor. And it heightens on a hot day. When the temperature is up, you just know. Somewhere in this house, something is melting. I know, I'm sorry, I'm a bit graphic about that. And, and years ago, I used, to, I used to run around in the ceilings and I would know if I put bait out there, then in a, I know another animal dying in one of my stories. But I know I'm going to have to go look for it. Let me tell you something. Sin becomes a real killer. Even if you get rid of the death of it, there is the stench of death that wants to linger around in your life. You know, it's the, it's the Lazarus story, you know. Let's get him out the tomb, but watch out for the smell. I, I, I want to encourage you to be wise about that. Romans 7 Verse 14, I'm using the Amplified for, for this because it's a little fuller and I think it'll help with the description. It says this, we know that the law is spiritual, and Paul says, Paul says it, a big shot Paul, like apostle, the apostle Paul, not like that guy on carte blanche who made himself an apostle. This is a proper one. Romans 7, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a creature of the flesh, worldly, self-reliant, carnal, and unspiritual. I'm sold into slavery to sin and serve under its control. For I do not understand my own actions. How many of you want to highlight that verse right now? I am baffled and bewildered by them. I do not practice what I want to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. And I yield to my human nature, my worldliness, uh, uh, my, my willingness rather to do good is present in me, but the doing of the good is not always present. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing, it gets hectic now. But if I am doing, uh, where am I? There, uh, which verse am I on? Oh, uh, thanks everybody for staying with me. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want to do, I'll just see do and don't and do's and do's up on that screen. Uh, I am no longer the one doing it. That is, it is not me that acts, but sin nature which lives in me. Paul continues on that chapter to say, who will set me free from this war between my natural desire and my God intention. And he ends the verse by saying, thanks be to God, but in and through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The, is that a clappable moment? <laughs> the goal of spiritual life is to be better than your carnal or natural desires. You know when people say, oh, but it's natural. Okay, but I'm trying to be supernatural. Not like a superhero. I want to live in a level of life where what moves me the most, what I cry about the most is the goodness of God, not the generosity of Oprah. I mean, cool and all, 
But if the heart of your emotional expression is something worldly, there's another level you could go. There's another step you could go. There's a verse, a song of praise, a special moment that'll touch your soul even deeper than something humanitarian and special and wonderful that should touch our souls if we are human beings. But there is another place, a place that draws deep calling out to deep. And so our heart touches the heart of God. I'm trying to live there. And so I have to be better than that. First Corinthians 10, also from the Amplified, no temptation regardless of its source has overtaken or enticed you. That is not common to the human experience. We all go through this in other words. Nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance, but God is faithful. He is compassionate and trustworthy and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist, but along with the temptation he has in the past and now uh, will always provide a way out as well so that you'll be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with? Yes, some Christians overcome temptation, but not with joy. It's very sad about the victory. But I think it's important to overcome temptation with joy. So what is this Bible verse encouraging us to recognize that with a life of temptation, there is also an opportunity for victory and that God makes a way. The key word there though is the word resistance, finding out how to resist. Uh, I heard the other day that there is a thing you can buy and take a lot. It's a safe and you can put your mobile device in it if you want not to be on social media and it locks it for like 24 hours or some of you are already anxious. I can actually feel the anxiety in the room. I'm not going to do it. Although, you know, an altar call where our mobile devices are locked away is not a bad thing. But I personally would not be able, I would struggle with that. You would need to find a way of resisting that keeps you free uh, and spiritually fit. We need in life to resist against things. It's how God designed us. You go to work every day because you're fighting the resistance against being pulled into poverty. And you want something more for your family and your future. So that's why you're getting fit. You get up each day and you resist a lower life version of your life so you can rise to the higher version of your life. So I just wanted to point out to you from Scripture and I don't, have to, I don't have the time to cover them, but I put six or seven symptoms, you know, of a normal hangover. Well, here's a couple of symptoms of a, of a, of a, of a sinful hang, hang, hangover. Uh, I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. It's, it's this, uh, when the devil comes to take you captive, so you feel you can't help yourself. When he comes to take control of a situation, so you don't know who's in charge, but you get the feeling that it's not you. When he takes your capacity to care, when you say, I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think. I don't care what the church says. I don't care. The devil's leaving his stench of death in the room. When he goes for your character so that you lower your capacity to accommodate his um, attitudes. When he takes your condition you know, have you ever seen somebody whose condition deteriorates? One's condition can deteriorate so quickly when it comes to take your countenance. That's the brightness on your face when you are in 
communion with God. And finally, when it comes to take your connection and you feel interference or disruption and you're constantly trying to say hello and you feel like God's not saying hello back. So today, I want to share with you three scriptures or verses on how to do resistance training so that the the scripture might be true. Resist the devil and he shall. Your, Your quality saints. Quality saints. You see, who does what? Who is the initiator in that verse? I am. Resist the devil and he flees. You see, uh, he, uh, he is not used to being barked back at. They got to bark back. Now, we're not going to practice that. But imagine that video on YouTube. Mol Mensa, Father's house. But you've got to bark back, and I think the Christians are too quiet. You're too quiet about this. You just have to bark back. There's a TikTok um, challenge where you bark at your dog. Don't do it. I mean, I think it's traumatizing to the dog, and you might also, your translation might not be very good. And the, the dog might think you're swearing at them. But there's this fascinating, so, 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 so the dog barks and then you bark back and then you see what happens. And then some dogs are totally confused. They've got no idea what's going on. And then other dogs think like, game on. It's the game we've always wanted. And then there are one or two of them, they just stare with that look of, I'm embarrassed that you're my boss. Like, <laughs> real embarrassing. When the devil comes and barks at us and says, this town is falling apart. You need to bark back. This town is in God's hands. We're on our way to a future designed and destined by God. You have to bark back. You've got to fill the space. Resistance is exactly that. James 4 says, but he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. Submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him. And he will flee from you. Come close to God with a contrite heart and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. That is so heavy. In the message translation, it says, be better. But I didn't put it up there. I I wanted to encourage you on some resistance training. We are are acknowledging today, the devil can't make me do anything. God chooses not to make me do anything either. I must obey and I must resist. I am tempted because I've got a flaw and that flaw is healed and fixed. In Jesus Christ, I can be set free because he makes me new. I don't have to manage my flaw. I can be set free from my flaws. And Jesus can birth a whole new person. Can you say amen to that? So there are three ideas I want to share with you in the next three or four minutes on resistance training. Number one, become unoffendable. Unoffendable. Uh, Maybe it's good to give you the verse first. Matthew 16 from the New Standard Version says this. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Don't say that to anybody today. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you're not 
setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's interests. Do you know, um, the, the, there is a Greek word. It has to come up now and then, this Greek thing. There is a Greek word that is used for the word offense. Some of you already know it because you've done maybe Bible class or whatever. It's the word scandalon. And it's the word that the English finds its root for the word scandal. And it literally means a snare to trap a bird. Now, let me tell you how they would do it, just so you know. Vince sang there's honey in the rock today. Let me tell you how the devil catches you. You know how they catch uh, little birds on the islands, where this Greek islands, where this word gets used? They put honey on a stick. They put it up on a tree. And then the birds come for the honey and then their feet get stuck. It's very cruel. And yet another animal is dying in the telling of my soul. And then what they do is they deprive the whole thing. But anyway, that's all... That's a whole other traumatic story. People are going to be Googling it later. You're all very traumatized. I'm very sorry I brought this up today on a public holiday. Um, and as cruel as that is, the imagery is watch out that the devil doesn't entice you with a bit of honey on a stick somewhere. And then you, while on flight for God's plans, settle on something. And you're trapped. You're trapped. Jesus is making the statement to Peter Get the devil behind you. Don't be upset that I've said I've got to die on a cross. You're not thinking clearly. You're thinking for immediate things. Nice things, you want me around, but think of God's things. God's things are, if I go on a cross, I can live an eternal life. Stop thinking short term, that's the trap. Stop thinking immediate, that's the trap. Get Satan behind you so you can see the plan of God in front of you. And I say that to you today. Get the devil behind you so that he's not an obstruction to your view on what God has intended before you. For God's plans for your good plans. Can you say amen to that? Don't let him be in your way. Secondly, build unshakably. Build unshakably things that endure. I've got to add a plant story in here somewhere. I've got to add a plant story. I couldn't grow this one plant no matter what I did. It doesn't matter which one it is. I had a pro who knows this plant really well visiting me. And I said, this thing is useless. It won't grow. And he said, why do you have it here? I said, I like it here. I wanted to grow here so I can brag to people that I can grow this plant. He said, well, that's a pity. He said, they don't grow here. I said, that's where we started this conversation. Me telling you it doesn't grow. He said, your problem is you've positioned it in the wind. It just doesn't like the wind. It's the one thing it can't do. I said, well, then I'll have to grow it in Human stop, I guess, because there's wind everywhere, yeah. He said, no, you're going to have to shelter it until it gets to three, four years, then it can go anywhere. You need to shelter your faith from the pressures of the enemy so that it can take root. You'll stand anywhere, but there's a period of time where you just go to build well. And once you've built well, you can stand any storm. Once you've built on a solid foundation, the rains can come. Once you've anchored, the winds and the storms can blow. But you've got to give yourself the opportunity to take root really well. Become unshakable. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6, now 
I'm right in saying this is a long weekend, hey? So we could maybe go to 11, maybe? No, I'm joking, I'm joking. I would not, I would not do that. Um, 1 Corinthians, I beg your pardon, 6. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Very powerful scripture. I love it so much. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. So this verse gives me the the test, the litmus test of what is beneficial and what is permissible. Anything I can control uh, and and falls rather under the control of Christ is uh, good for me. Anything that controls me is not good for me. And I think that's, that's the difference, isn't it? I stopped watching horror movies. I'm allowed to. I wouldn't lose my job for watching horror movies. You know, you know, murder this or that, you know. Loved them. Oh, I would try and work out who it was from the beginning. Always the boyfriend. But I'd try and work out <laughs> from the beginning. I'd get caught up in it. I'd watch one after the other. Not good for me. Didn't sleep well. I'm allowed to do it. It's not good for me. It's not viewing people with suspicion. You know, it's not a good thing. Now, in that case, it's a simple example. Just because you can, you know, doesn't mean you should. And just because it's not noticeably harmful doesn't mean it's not unnoticeably harmful. It's unnoticeable, but harmful. And I want to encourage you, make the standard in your life things that are beneficial, not things that are permissible. You're better than that. Can you say amen? Finally, break an unteachable spirit. Break an unteachable spirit. Proverbs 26 says, do you see a man who is unteachable and wise in his own, uh, in his own eyes and full of self-conceit? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Oh, that's hectic. Oh, that's hectic. You know what the standard of being teachable is? That I thought I was right and God showed me I was wrong. Gosh, that's hard. I like to feel right all the time. All the time. In fact, sometimes I think I just fake I fake that I'm still right. I know, and I better give you an example because we're at 10 past 10 now and that's like the, that they, they will play music over me like at the Oscars any minute now. I've told people I'm very good with hot and spicy food. I'm okay with it. I, I'm good. I'm good. So some people brought me some hot and spicy food. They, they said, look, if it's very hot, you must just say so. Eh? I'm not going to say that. I've already said I'm good at this. So I ate some. Lord Jesus. I didn't lose taste buds. I have lost part of my DNA genetic code. There are genes missing in my gene pool now as a result of that food. They asked me, and how is it? I said, it's so nice. (laughs) 
Do you know how many people get stuck on something? They say, well, that's it. I'm good with that. This is good for me. This is good. And you are burning, but you don't want to own up that maybe that wasn't the best idea. That's an unteachable spirit. Unteachable spirit. You just don't want to. It wasn't you, Nathan. It wasn't you. Uh, but I will remember you for your curry powder. Thank you, sir. Thank you. As you travel around the world to New Zealand, I'm going to remember that meal I had that taught me to be a man. <laughs> I, 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 be teachable. Be, be teachable. Uh, uh, we're going to um, pray a prayer together in a moment. Have you ever wondered why this verse exists, that Jesus is the rock of offense? Uh, it's, it's a funny verse um, because most people, we're not really sure why it exists. Romans chapter 9, it says this, Just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Like, why is the Lord a rock of offense? It, it is better for the Lord to offend us and we have a repentant heart than for life to offend us, and we are left with a broken heart. That's what that verse is saying. Better go before Jesus and let him heal my heart than go before the world and let them stand on my heart and break my heart. And I want to encourage you today as we, in a moment, stand to pray that your desire will be, make me teachable, Lord. Make me spiritually unbreakable, Lord. Make me focused in that regard so I'm steadfast in my faith. Would you please stand with me? Oh, I'm over time. I'm so sorry. I've been preparing um, a, a prayer for each of the topics um, in this series. And I want us to pray it out loud. I'm sorry, I, I said we would put it online and I forgot to do that last week. So I'm going to put both of them, last week's one and this week's one. And you can pray it personally. And... Let's ask the Lord to set us free from the chains that so easily ensnare us, right? And that we can't be trapped. So I've prepared it and put it up on the screen. And the only good way to do this is if I just read it out loud and you in your own heart repeat it. I don't want to force it, but I do want you to, I do, I do want you to consider it. So can I pray it over you? And you can either under your breath or in person, you can pray it too. And then I'm going to pray a general prayer over us. Let's pray. Lord, because of the cross and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, I denounce all consent for evil influence, whether direct or indirect. I offer myself to you, God, that I may be yoked together with you and no other master. I am by confession and action, the property of the Lord alone. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Let me pray for you first before we rush out. Lord, will you please lift us up beyond our natural desires and plant us firmly on spiritual foundations so that we can pursue heavenly desires. We ask this in Jesus' name and everybody said, would you give God one last shout of praise for the day?